All right, hello, 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 everybody. Uh, thank you for listening to the Creecast. As always, this is David here. A week after, over a week after we um, beat the Geelong Cats on Thursday Night Footy and uh, extended our 11-game winning streak going into the going into our bye week, which is, funnily enough, it's a bye week that seems to be a bit later than usual. But um, anyway, that's the, that's the modern AFL for you. Um, but yeah, it's over a week ago and I'm finally talking about it. It's interesting. I found myself, like, as the winning streak, like, once we got to six or seven games, you started realizing we're on a winning streak, and then I got to, you know, the potential of eight and equaling our record um, in the AFL era, and then it got to, you know, beat the record and then get to 10 double digits, and then, well, just one more, and we'd be on a streak going into the bye and beat July. And it's just like, I don't know if this was the same for anyone else, but as a fan, like, when you're in, when you're a fan, and I've seen... Uh, this is a slight aside, but I was watching. I, I watch a lot of baseball and uh, listen to these guys talking baseball over here. And they, they talked about like, and they they do a podcast on the Yankees specifically, and they get the manager of the Yankees, Aaron Boone, on there, and they weekly to talk to him, and they challenge him on some things, and he'll challenge back, and um, and they said, you know, we're passionate about this stuff, but we're fans, and and you know, there's no point being a fan if you're not going to be in, you know, a little bit intense about it. And have that kind of passion for it. And I felt that. So the reason I'm talking about that is um, I felt such a building pressure over the last few weeks when it was just like, let's get it. There's a few big games, a few big you know teams going, going away to the dogs, home against Geelong to finish out before the bye. Um, and it felt like it felt like we needed to win them all. Even though we, you know, we're in a pretty good spot. We're pretty solidified in the top four now. But every win, you know, counts and, and whatever else. And then, so when it got to the bye week, I felt, you know, just after, almost immediately, I mean, maybe not immediately after the Geelong game, because I still had the hype from, from the win, and I sat up for a little bit longer, and I only got to sleep at 6am, because time difference. Um, then when I woke up the next day, I was exhausted, and I didn't want to do, I wanted to, like, get on Instagram and Twitter and look at what people are saying about the game, but sometimes I wake up the next day and, and have the desire to do the podcast immediately, but I've got other things on, and I can't. I didn't have anything on that day, really, apart from I was having some beers with a mate later on. Um, but I just was exhausted. I was like, the bye week hit me, and I realized, Jesus has been an intense few weeks, and I was just exhausted by it. Didn't really, I kind of half looked through the stats and didn't have the energy for it. And then uh, the weekend, I had a busy weekend, and um, it was Juneteenth on um, Monday, which um, hopefully one day will be a lot more recognized holiday than it is now. But. Um, it was a wife had Juneteenth off, and then um, we had Wednesday off to go do some things. We went to a, a, a Q&A double feature of if any, any sickos out there are Brandon Cronenberg fans. We saw Infinity Pool and Possessor with him in attendance for a Q&A, which is dope. Um, but so just had a busy week and kind of just I the exhaustion of that kind of built the, the building of the streak just over the past couple of weeks i think it compounded like every week it just felt like we're getting closer and closer to the buy every result kind of ex- exponentially increased in importance because i just wanted to get to the buy on the streak still and it it just i i felt burnt out and i'm just a fan so um thankfully our players are probably a lot more professional and they you know they're off golfing and having a bit of fun although they're probably getting slowly making their way back i assume by monday uh, to start getting back into things for the, the stretch run here. But, man, I've, geez, I, it would be interesting to see what kind of effect um, 
you know these guys have had. I mean, they you know all the cliches one week at a time and all that stuff. Um, but man, I felt I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if it's just me or. Um, and you know, I've you know, this is I follow a lot of teams and a lot of sports, and sports is one of like my main passion beyond like I'm a big movies and writing guy as well. So, and my love of history that I went to college for. So I've got a few passions in life, but the sports has been the sports is my escape uh, and as well as a passion and it's just like but I, I am so intensely into it i do get that exhaustion sometimes like i think when um you know i'm a liverpool fan in soccer and when they finally won the premier league title after you know such a long drought i had a just an exhausted release after that and and just it, it's it's funny how you depending on how you fan like i'm I, i've learned slowly to be better about um, controlling my emotions when I'm watching a game or, you know, at a game and, and whatnot. But um, it's still the internalization of it is still pretty much the same. And it, it, if anything, um, the older I've gotten, the more I've realized how important my sports teams are, and particularly Port Adelaide in this instance, are to me. And that, therefore that passion has increased in a way. It's, it's like I'm healthier about it, but it's also like it's it's... You know, I remember my parents when I was younger being like, you know, you grow out of it, realize there's more important things in life. And yes, like, they're not more important things; they're just different things. Like, you know, health and safety, and 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 you know, the you know geopolitics, whatever, whatever you want to talk about. Um, those things are important, but they're like adjacent to the fact that you know my sport, the sports teams are like what give me passion and, and, and escape in life and, and it's equally important to me in a different way. You know, I'm not saying it's more important than obviously the big things that are happening in life, but, you know, it, it's still a fundamental part of who I am and, you know, without it, it would be kind of like, I don't know what I would be. And so that being said, that's a long-winded intro to say that I basically just put put off doing this for like four or five days and then like yesterday when I found like I was a bit tired yesterday because I only got home from the double feature movie um after midnight so i was you know slept in a little bit and then started looking at notes and i had planned to do it yesterday and i was just like i've got to look at you know look at what i'm actually going to do because it's been like a week since the game i watched the highlights package again and um started watching the replay but then ran out of time for that too it's hard sometimes it's actually hard to watch because if i'm going to watch a replay i want to invest the time into it and sometimes it's hard to find the two and a half hours in your day to watch a replay at times but but yeah, it was, um, you know, I'm, I'm getting to it now. And if you still want to listen and talk here about the result, then here you, here it is. And um, if not, uh, if you just want to hear general thoughts on um, the season so far, I'm going to do early next week. So, you know, time difference. Basically, I'm a day behind over here, more or less. You know, for all intents and purposes, you, you, you hear the result. You hear my podcast a day after I am recording them. Uh I'd say maybe Tuesday or Wednesday I'll have that out as the kind of review of the season so far, more or less just looking across the results and how I feel about different performances and things. Like, as a more holistic view of the season, I'll do that ne- next week. So this will just be, you know, 20, 30 minutes on, on the Geelong results. So if you're already you're already past that then you don't and you don't really want to listen, then you can switch off and wait for that next podcast to drop next week where I talk about the season as a whole so far. But if you do want to, um, you know, stroke the... Um, you know (laughs) stroke to that result again um which was a wonderful result to get the 11 game winning streak um and continue the streak uh it was a you know a fantastic result and one that um you know now now finally diving into it after my usual waffling intros um 
one that you know, I, I said at three quarter time uh, on Twitter that it was a game that almost seemed a carbon copy of last year's the same fixture as last year not the one down obviously the one down at Cadinia Park last year was a bit bit more one-sided in the end but um, last year at Adelaide Oval it was a real banger of a game back and forth um, a pretty close first quarter um, which I guess that's the one thing you could swap the first or second quarter because the first quarter uh, last week was pretty dominant by Geelong um, and then the second quarter probably tightened up a bit but mostly dominated by Geelong actually whereas last year the first quarter was a bit tight and Geelong blew it open in the second quarter. We had eight goals to one in the third quarter, and then Geelong ended up winning with a four-goal to one last quarter. But, you know, up until three-quarter time, this, this you know, last week, we it kind of felt like that because we'd been, been tight and we're just down at um, halftime, but then found a, found a way to just blitz them in the third quarter and get ourselves a little buffer. Uh, but then, you know, Geelong, we, we could have almost had the game put to bed at three-quarter time this, this last time around, but... Um, Geelong got those couple of late goals, and it really felt like as we were up by I think two or three goals, three quarter time last year, after an eight goal to one third quarter, and it just felt like we just didn't quite get ahead enough to, for a Geelong surge, and obviously they ran over the top of us last year, and so at three quarter time I'm sitting there thinking I'm feeling a bit more confident though because I just felt like the un- the overall game plan and what we're doing seems a lot more fundamentally sound uh, to deal with teams like this, and we've seen it time and time again this season where it be, whether it be Melbourne. Um, you know, Western Bulldogs a couple of times now. The the, the good teams um, in the competition, barring a couple that we've, you know, obviously lost to, we've found a way in the third quarter, uh, sorry, the last quarter, to whether it be withstand um, a push by the opposition or if we're down um, to actually kick on. And, you know, the last quarter, I think it starts with a Geelong goal and we're, we're suddenly only got 12, but then we kick ahead and get ourselves up to end up winning by a 37 point or 37 38 point margin um so again we were tested and and found a way to win and then i actually think when you consider the margin and geelong being the reigning premiers yes they've got some injury issues and they had some injury issues within this game but this is partly the squad they've built as well you know people when it's funny when Geelong lose um oh, it's the aging squad and all that stuff and it's they won a premiership last year going down this route and this is the route they've chosen to go down go down over the last half a de- decade to even a decade in and building this team and trying to keep the momentum going so you know we can only play who's in front of us so the reigning premiers and 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 have had some good wins this year and are, are trying to push to be in the eight at the end of the year and when they get their run on as we saw in the first quarter they can be still pretty pretty damaging um, and the forward line works quite well still um, although we contained it pretty well after that first quarter um, so, you know, I think it's one of our more impressive wins of the year, uh, considering how dominant it was in the end. Uh, and we really, the entire second half was just all Port Adelaide footy. And going back to that first quarter, um, I didn't, I wasn't feeling as panicky as, uh, you know, six goals to two first quarter is pretty, isn't good. And then even the second quarter didn't go, I think I tweeted towards the end of, I think when Narkel kicked that, his first goal, I said, you know, this first half has largely been like, watching shit get pushed through a colander which I just deeply apologise for that mental image but that kind of was just the first kind of analogy that I could I came across which I don't know what that says about me but um, but it didn't, it didn't feel like we were being completely outclassed, it was a weird first half in the sense that my reason for saying that was all because of our own 
errors a little bit. We weren't our endeavor was there, but the skill, the, the possession, it was um, poor disposal, a little bit, a little bit of that panicky stuff that we we fell into so often last year. You know, in twenty twenty two, when the when the going got tough, we didn't really get going. We got sloppy and we got panicky and we were, we, were, we were shaving half a second off of each disposal because we were we were hearing footsteps and whatever. And it felt like a little bit of that in the first half. We were just we were just getting ourselves running us running ourselves into corners. Um, and dead ends and and whatnot, and then just and then finding just finding ways to turn the ball over that weren't there, but fundamentally, apart from that, I thought the endeavor was there, and we tightened up a little bit in the, de- the defensive side of it in that second quarter and made it harder for them to score. The first quarter, we they got down pretty easily. It, it felt like the first quarter they did get down their end pretty easily and were able to take some marks. And Gary Rowan took some great marks and kicked three goals in the first quarter. I think it didn't kick another goal for the game. So we tightened up after that, and it felt like all the fundamental structure things were there in place. And and the midfield was starting to get a bit more of the ball in the second quarter, and it was starting to just find a little bit more control. But we just needed to get the goals and 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 the finishing. And then with those two goals. Um, to win the first first half, then it just kind of came together then. And then the, the little bit of a spark, you know, a little bit of a spark went on and everyone else started to run with it and then just cleaned up the disposal a little bit and then we outclassed them. And that was just... And I love that, that there's a fundamental structure to the side and, and a belief in what they do that they can kind of work through it within the game and find a way to... Find a way to stick to stick to what they do best um, rather than panic and all that kind of stuff because it looked like as I said I wasn't as panicky as I would be if we were four goals down to Geelong at quarter time than I would have been maybe in past years I just felt like and maybe this is the benefit of hindsight again I was a little bit frustrated because I felt like we'd missed some opportunities and they were getting down there a bit too easy to score at that, at that point but it didn't feel like we were being completely we I mean we were being outclassed but you know what I mean? That we weren't being that. I felt like there was something there for us. We just needed to clean up a few things, and 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 we were, we were playing far below our level at that point. That's that's kind of the the you know long story short. Basically, is that we had gears to go to, and they were kind of they kind of thro- they were throwing what they had at us in that first quarter, and and we had gears to move up, and so we did. And you know I've said time and time again uh, this season, even last season, it's really a theme, and I don't think it's even it's really. Uh, more or less a thing for the the modern footy anyway is really a lot of your defensive uh, prowess is dictated by how well you um, how well you defend through the middle you know it's kind of the the attack is the best form of defense and especially the way modern AFL works with the you know the entire field shifting up a little bit um, your ability to block the lines through the middle and and make it harder to get through the middle and break through those lines and get easy ball into the for, into your um, into the forward 50. Um, if you can defend against that, that's kind of what um, will help you a long way in your, in your um, endeavours to be a winner. And you kind of saw in the first quarter that Geelong were able to get deeper entries, entries into the hot spots where you know Gary Rowan was running into and taking marks, and 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 Hawkins and and Stengel and although Stengel didn't kick a goal, and I'll talk about the goals for their big forwards in a moment, but. Um, they were kind of being able to get the ball in that 30 to 40 meter range or, or closer from goal and, and really either taking marks or just getting goal scoring opportunities. You know, Jeremy Cameron just snapping that one behind his back and he snapped one over his head that almost went through, I think, as well. So, you know, when the, when they were getting those deeper entries, it just it was just wasn't working for us. But you, you, when we tightened up through the middle and we and we stopped the ball going, being able to go in as deeper as often, and then we or, or we just give the 
if it slows down through the middle a bit and we just give and the and the defense and the fe- the defense gets a bit more of a chance to make a play on the on the body and and you know Geelong did just get a bit of luck in a couple of Rowan took a couple of great marks and and they kicked really straight and there was all that there's kind of some of those elements to it as well but you saw once we tightened up through the middle there a little bit and just started getting a bit more control of the game it just changes everything and and that's just how our, our Especially with the fact we don't have the kind of defense that can, I don't, it won't be a war of attrition kind of thing. Like, you know, when we played Geelong in the 2020 qualifying final, it was our defense holding up a lot to repeated entries from Geelong. I think Geelong dominated that game in that kind of aspect. In that qualifying final, I think we won by 15 or 16 points in the end. And, uh, you know, there's guys like Jonas who's not even in the, in the team, this, you know, the starting team at the moment, um, taking, you know, marks deep in the, deep in the 50, uh, deep in defense and, and stuff like that, and we were and we were holding them at bay. Whereas you know these days with the the defence being a little bit undersized, and you, you know you can see why we tried going after Radagalia, but um, you know the defence can hold up pretty well. It's athletic, you know, with Mackenzie and Aaliyah back there, they're playing, they they kind of tandem them up really well together. And then you know Burton, you know, I know he's been in and out, and they've thrown him up forward. But the the guys that are back there, um, they hold up really well when the kind of what's in front of them is working well to to play to their strengths and you've got guys like Dan Houston running off halfback and having one of the games of his life um you know they they that's kind of the way our defense plays you know it's it's um it just relies upon what's happening in front of them to to give them a chance at what what doing what they do best which is kind of that rebounding stuff and and not having to, you know, deal with repeat entries and and all that, and all that, because that that's when we st- do start to struggle, because it's just like the, the ball, you know, a lot of the teams kind of figure out the, the our structure, and so I was really impressed with how that went, because when I looked at last year, I went back and had a look at last year's game, and I thought I thought Cameron Rowan and and uh, Hawkins had like 14, 15 goals between them last year. It wasn't quite that bad, but um, it was. I think it was Hawkins with four. Uh, Cameron with three last year, um, seven, and then Rowan and Stengel had two each last year. So Rowan was the big target this year. He had three in the first quarter, um, and I think Hawkins ended up having two for the game. Cameron had one, and uh, and Stengel didn't have a goal. He only had one point, nine disposals. He just didn't have the impact he had last year. So when you you know between their four big forwards last year, they kicked eleven of their uh, sixteen goals last year. I think it was. So they they just they that was we I remember us just getting burned and they were moving the ball really quickly and getting it down there to good goal scoring opportunities to those four. Whereas this year, apart from that first quarter, and Cameron's goal came in the first quarter. One of Hawkins did, I think, and then um, and uh, obviously Rowan. I think either all three of his came in the first quarter or um, two two of them at least. Um, I'm pretty sure it was the three. So kind of after that first quarter, we just locked up their defenders and then you know Cameron. I think there's been some. Good um, memes out there about Cameron being in um, Bergman's pocket. Okay, but you know, just just the fact that we were locked down, and that you know, I said in my preview, this was one of my biggest. I thought this was one of the biggest tests our structure and defense is going to have is against a forward line with such potent weapons. And you know, after that first quarter, it was just an A plus performance. Um, and that again, I say that comes a lot from what's happening in front of the ball. But when it does get down there, um, you know, there's the the structure works when you know when it's all when it's all coming together it's just beautiful and 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 it worked to an absolute t um in this game it was an interesting battle of styles as well um as far as you know Geelong coming down here because i've 
I've made the point a few times, I believe, that uh, we had a kind of a system. Um, like we a lot of the, the weeks in previous um, in previous weeks and and matchups that have gone through stats and all that stuff. We've had um, we've seen that Port often ends up you know quite below on the disposals and and it kind of just you know the context of it is that uh, we're just using not not needing as much of the ball uh to to kind of make that impact on the game and you know other teams like the the dogs i think were uh, used the ball quite a bit but interestingly enough geelong came into the game with a fa- fairly similar uh, basically uh, our, the average disposals per game between the two teams after this game that is uh, was 338.7 for us versus 339.3 for the cats so literally a, a half a disposal difference for the year in the average so our ball use is very similar in how we get but you know you could also the context of that is Geelong haven't had, been having a great year we are so this is still whether that this style is working for him but it's very similar styles and very similar um just you know usage I guess usage numbers for the teams we had nine more disposals for this match which is the I think the first time for a few weeks we've won the disposal count um Again, not that that's a be-all and end-all. What was great to see, though, was... Um, and this is kind of backs up what I was saying before about our defensive work after that first half, in uh, first half, but first quarter in particular as well. Um, and the inside 50 numbers um, drastically swung and ended up quite strongly in our favor, plus 16. We have 59 inside 50s for the match versus their 43. Now, we average almost, almost 58 for the season. They average um, 53.5. So we cut them down from what they want to do and what they like to do this year and probably they want to be getting a few more as well you want to be upwards of 55 or more if you're going to be a good team um, really uh, as an average um, and they're you know that we cut them down by 10 to 43 for the match so that's a really and that's a really good effort from from the kind of the midfield and, and kind of how we structure up behind the ball when we're when we're dominating the game as well and getting that getting that control of the game that we want um, disposal efficiency as I said the first half, I thought we were a bit. We, we struggled a lot, uh, particularly in that first quarter. And, and again, like it wasn't. I didn't fold our endeavour a lot much in this game. It was more just um, the actual efficiency at first. But we we cleaned that up and ended up with seventy two point six for the game, which is um, right uh, just above our seven, uh, average of seventy one. And we had them slightly below. They they're seventy point four for the year, and they were sixty seven point seven for the match. So you know they weren't terrible, but they you, you just you just not got to drop a good team off those little bits, and that's where. You, those little bits in every statistical category, if you can just make them struggle a little bit in all those areas, it's going to go a long way uh, for you getting the result. Um, 57.6% um, efficiency inside 50 for us, while they're at 46.5. So again, after that first quarter, they really struggled to take marks and get and get that efficiency going in, inside 50. Uh, the free kicks, 18 to 19, so pretty, pretty even there. You know, there's a few either way. That were a bit touch and go, and um, at one point I really thought they were getting their hog smoked by the the umpires, but it even I, I thought it kind of settled in after once their runs stopped, like they kind of it started to struggle for them once they once they weren't getting much of the ball, and we had the control, um, they didn't have as much opportunity to get the easy ones from the umpires, I guess, which is you know sometimes you just got to beat the umpires as well, don't you? But no, it's not really, it wasn't a massive storyline out of the game for me. Um, again, for the second week in a row, and this is one that, again, Scott Lysett um, gets gets massive plaudits. Um, he really did a great job of um, dominating at the hitouts. It was 43 to 24. So in the last two weeks, you know, for weeks when you've been listening to this podcast, you would have heard me saying, oh, we had 25 hitouts to fucking 44 or something like that. You know, just getting dominated at um, in 
in that aspect of the game. And this is, you know, the last two weeks has just completely uh, turned around um, that we just suddenly um, uh, winning the hit-out battle uh, handily. And in, in particular in this match, we won the clearance battle as well, which is really impressive against a side like Geelong. Um, 45 to tw- so 43 to 24 on the hit-outs, 45 to 29 on the total clearances out of the center, 17 and 10, and one around the stoppage around the ground, 28 to 19. Um so really, um, and it's and it was, this was just so many players that really had um, a role in that. Um, just uh, the likes of you know Drew is the, you know the major beneficiary, and of course Zachy Butters as well. And Butters didn't have as much of the ball as he's had in some games this year. He still got a few coaches' votes um, to go the way and, and keep on leading the way in that aspect. But he still got eight clearances along with Drew. Um, he had Houston with six. He had Lysett himself with five. I remember there was one just bustling one that Lysett just kind of took it out of the middle, you know. Yeah, and, you know, Wines and Rosie as well with four and three apiece. Um, just, but with Drew, again, underrated. He only has, you know, 14 total disposals for the game, but it gets eight clearances. Um, just an incredible effort from these kind of guys. Like, he's the underrated guy. Then you've got Zach Butters, who's, um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, incredibly... Um, Incredibly, um, incredibly, um, I had a quick pause there for a moment because that's why there's a slight weird jump there, um, because my computer just decided to have a little freeze up moment. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's such a great dynamic that we have like a guy like Will and Drew that's just, um, you know, underrated. I do quotation marks cause we, we all love him, but he's around the league. There is some respect for him around. There. There's a lot of pundits that do appreciate what he does, but some of the fans, you know, the, the, the general fan from some opposition clubs may not really know who he is much still at this point, unless they're watching some port games and they're you know they're one of those fans that's watching a bit more of the opposition teams as well. Uh, but yeah, and when you got William Drew and Zach Butters combining for sixteen disposals, it kind of shows the dynamic we have in our midfield now in the sense of um, William Drew, the underrated guy. He's getting you know he's getting in and under addition and out a little bit, and then Butters is the one that's kind of blitzing away from the pack when he gets that free run and doing a little bit more of the. Uh, some of the stylish stuff, I guess, and especially when you see him do that, like that little and that that goal from Butters um, with the, uh, you know, that that handball off of Connor Rosie, and he kind of jukes a defender and then slots it from fifty. Just the confidence he's playing with at the moment, Butters to be able to do that kind of stuff is just just oozes class. It's just absolutely oozes class. Um, and you know, Rosie again had a fucking fantastic match. Um, just influential. Just so much he's just so much he's doing just doing right, and I, I, I fucking love it. Um, yeah, he had six tackles, six tackles for the match as well, and and really um, was quite influential in, in a lot of ways. One of the other guys to mark is one of the, there was there was we had four guys that had six tackles each for the match, and one I've got to highlight, and we, I know there's a lot of we've, a lot of us have highlighted him and and talked about him a bit in the past couple of months, but Jed McEntee, that chase down and Jeremy Cameron, I just. I think that highlights, and I, I put this out on Twitter, and, and a lot of people seem to resonate with it. That kind of, you know, we're not, we're not in this eleven-game winning streak without the likes of Jed McIntyre and Co. You know, you can talk about your Rosies and your Butters. Obviously, them going to another level has helped has helped us as a team go to another level. But and maybe it's a rising tide lifts all ships things. But there's there's players in this squad because we do have a bit of a push for, for push for places now. There's guys that have elevated their games and become integral to what we're doing and, and, and the forward line pressure kind of stuff. And then when we look at the stats of the forward line pressure as well, which I will in a moment again and, and highlight that, but Jed McIntyre in particular, the tackles inside our 50, is just one of those guys that since he's come into the side has completely transformed kind of what we do down there. It was just his effort 
is just so incredible. And that chase down, the chase down, an all Australian premiership winning, one of the best forwards in the competition, who's had to come down and play a defensive role. But you know, Jeremy Cameron's a pretty handy, nifty kind of athlete as well. You know, he's he, he moves pretty well. Um, and McEntee just comes from you know the length of the Flemington straight. It feels like, and and just chases him down, and, and just get, it's the perfect tackle, by the way, as well. And in, in this day and age that we're talking about tackling technique and whatnot, and just and just has him gone for all money. It was just one of the most clear holding the balls you'll ever see, and and the fact he goes back and slots the goal, and that's what the likes of I've said this before. But we're getting guys like McEntee and and Burn Jones now. That he's playing that kind of high half forward and. And, you know, your pal Peppers and, and your Butters, obviously, and, and Co. that are slotting goals here and there. That, you know, when you're getting the goals from midfield, I think Drew had one in this game as well. Um, when, you, when you're getting goals from those guys to fill out, because we're getting the goals from the forwards, obviously. You know, Finlayson had four in this game, and again, was incredible. Um, one of Finlayson's, uh, I feel like I've said this a lot at times lately, but he one of his best games in our colours, but he's had a lot of great ones now. So, um, you know, take your pick. Uh, but, you know, when you're getting the goals, just getting one from Drew, one from Butters, one from, you know, uh, McEntee, a couple from Pal Pepper, a couple from Quentin Narkle. Shout out to Narkle for um, 13 disposals for Narkle, two goals, uh, influential kind of, kind of felt like he looked like he, he, did, he didn't look out of place. Like, you know, when you're coming in in the midseason draft, I assume, um, and then play a couple of weeks in the Sandfall and suddenly you're playing against your former side in a massive Thursday night clash, it, it could be uh, possibly overwhelming for some. But he just took it in his stride. And, um, that goal he snaps was fantastic. And then going back from almost 50 and slotting one at a time that put, took the lead from 24 out to 30 points. And I think was maybe what you'd call the clincher at that point. Um, you know, he's, he's got some calmness in him and he, and he looked a port player right away. And fuck, I love Narkel doing his little, you know, just grabbing a jumper with that passionate jumper pull. You gotta love that stuff when you see when you see a guy look that happy and and the good boys got around him. But yeah, Jed McIntyre kind of some just bounced around a little bit there. But you know, McIntyre only had four disposals for the game, but it's you know it's impact. It's it it it's what he does. You know, he has six tackles for the game, so he's he's applying the pressure and and just doing just doing these incredible things in that forward line. You know, there's all these there's so many statistical things that you can say that you know maybe you know some people look at it and go, oh, look, he's got 38 AFL fantasy points. He gets 21 meters gained. His role in that forward line is not is to be the disruptor and pressurizer and and to and you know you can't like there's just something the stats beyond that. It's it's eye test and you know the six tackles. I guess is the stat that does teach you something about that because you look at that and go, well, he's gotten six tackles. Um, in a game where he's only had four disposals and done, you know, so you you see that and kind of realize the impact he's having and um, you know just what we're doing and this eleven game streak doesn't come without the guys the guys like that, you know, it just it simply just doesn't happen. And kind of sum up that uh, that point. I just took a quick pause to get these stats up again, but um, again we got the tackles inside fifty count was seventeen to eight, so their season average is right on just over eight. We averaged thirteen and a half of the year, but. Um, we had 17, and just and I've I've noted that stat a lot in my reviews because I think that just really shut, sums up kind of how we're winning these games. Is just we try we we have this manic need to keep the ball in our forward half, and that and that over overrides the opposition's um, intent really at a lot of times. It's just sheer effort. Um, and our marks inside 50, by the way, were 17 to eight as well, um, which is an incredible result considering again their forward line. And they took it. I think they probably took half of those in the in the uh, in the first quarter. So we again, it kind of highlights that we just really, really uh, locked it up after 
after half time, uh, well, after quarter time, but even even more so after half time. So you know, there's just a lot of lot of those little little stats here and there, and um, I mean the scoring as a whole for the game. I mean, sixteen fourteen to eleven six, we just clearly had more of the ball, more of the inside fifties, and and all that stuff. So it was it was an it was a complete result. Um, obviously, we were tested, and we didn't look great in that first large parts of the first half. But, you, you know, it's how you run out games and, and like, you know, particularly in these games, you know, when you're winning one, I guess we'd go back to Hawthorne a few weeks back when we were up by 82 at halftime and say, well, we didn't run that game out well, but we'd, we'd won the game at that point. But it's how you how you respond to the challenges and we responded to the challenge of, of being a bit sloppy as well as Geelong kind of coming out firing a little bit and responded by completely running over the top of them with one of the more dominant second halves you could have against... An opposition like that, you know, the fact that, you know, they were they were had six goals at quarter time and only kicked five for the rest of the match, while you know we kicked fourteen for the rest of the match. It's just you know, that's that's an incredible result, and um, and one that we should be quite proud of, I think, and um, and look at as a uh, as a marker for the rest of the, you know, something to. I think it's a good marker for the rest of the season because, yes, Geelong aren't the side they were that won the premiership last year, but they're still pretty decent side they had a decent side they brought back some um, decent cattle for this game as well and um, you know I think we really responded to a challenge again with another with another uh, another really great response because we've been challenged multiple times over the, this 11 game streak between you know where it started against Sydney until this game against Geelong in between with whether it be the Bulldogs Melbourne um, I'm probably forgetting so even Essendon we were kicking like shit and keeping them in the game we've had to respond in different ways and I think that's the, that's the real um, lesson that we've taken from this first over a little bit over half of a season. Like I said, I'll do a little bit more of a overall look at the ga- look at the season uh, early next week. But just just I'm really proud of the effort of these guys and 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 the fact that they. Yes, we had a rough start um, with that game against you know Collingwood and then the Crows result. But as I've said a few times, I reckon we've really taken a lesson from that and. Um, not letting our guard down again and and you know you saw in this game yet another response long way to go still obviously finals are a different beast and and all that stuff but at this point of the season um to be sitting where we are after that kind that one and two start and some plenty of questions was an incredible result and again um you know you've got to got to put it on the players and the coaching and say they're all you know all humming along perfectly at the moment and and that's that's really all i got to say about it <laughs> It's a, like I said, it's a review um, over a week later, and um, it's a little bit more of a, a rambling effort. But uh, I said I was uh, just exhausted after that after that game, and um, certainly the late nights sitting up watching these games does ruin me for a couple of days as well. So, but yeah, really proud of the effort. Um, looking forward to just looking back over the first half of the season a bit pro- more proper um, early next week and. And talking about what kind of things we're doing well and 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 where the little pieces we can improve, but um, you know overall uh, you couldn't be happier at this stage of the season. Really, I mean a showdown win um, would have been the cherry on top, but uh, you know to go eleven games on the bounce after that, I, I'm probably going to take that every time. So, can't the pair enjoy the rest of the uh, the bye week and all that stuff this weekend, especially, and uh, and I'll be back with you early next week. Um, talking about how we've gone so far and then and then probably just look at the look at the upcoming games as well I'll probably do a review and preview of the rest of the season before I get back into the regular schedule so yeah enjoy your weekend um no no port stress this weekend just all uh all uh, watching what the other teams do but um yeah 
can the pair. Let's enjoy this run. <laughs> 